All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to an episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. My name is David Quadrelli, and this is the first episode of a very special series we're doing at Canucks Conversation this week. It is Keeping Up with the Vancouver Media. Today we have Sportsnet Murph, Dan Murphy from Sportsnet joining the podcast. On Tuesday, we will have Justin Morissette of Sportsnet 650, Wednesday, Thomas Drantz of The Athletic, Thursday, a very special guest that we're not announcing just yet, and Friday, Patrick Johnson of The Province. But for now, here is the first conversation with Dan Murphy. All right, guys, joining us now is Dan Murphy of Sportsnet. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dave. How are you? Very good, very good. Yeah, this is uh, this is a little... Little weird for me being uh, being at my house recording because usually Faber and I are at the studios at BCIT. Now we're now we're both quarantined, so we're doing the show remotely. We had our first episode like last week. It went pretty well, but very different setup for me for sure. Well, no question. I bet you. I went to BCIT way back in like ninety four, ninety five. So there was no podcast back then. I was cutting stuff back in those days, tape to tape, splicing and taping. So just imagine that how far you guys have come. Or putting shows on the air compared to what the stuff I was doing way back in the day. Yeah, it was funny. We were talking to Al Murdoch. He came on the podcast maybe about a month or two ago, and he actually came in studio, and uh, he was telling us, he's like, wow, this place has changed. And uh, he was telling us, he's like, yeah, it was like splicing tape back in the day. And he was actually telling us about his start. Like, he, he just hung out at uh, CKNW outside the offices until they gave him a job. Uh, so I guess we could open with that. Like, how did you get your, like, first job, and what was it? <coughs> Um, well, uh, so I finished, like at BCIT, as you know, at the end, there's a practicum, and uh, you're supposed to sign your name, well, back in these days, you're supposed to sign your name uh, on a sheet of where you would like to try, and then they try to set up practicums, and of course, for some reason, I had totally forgotten to do it, um, or I don't know why I missed out on it, and then I went to see the list, you know, the last day I was there, and people had written by my name, like 7-Eleven, and Red Robin, and so, like, because I forgot to sign my name up. Anyway, luckily enough, I got a, a practicum at, uh, at that time, it was UTV Sports Page, and it was um, Shorthouse, and Taylor, and Paul Carson, and uh, Dave Randover was there, but only about six months before I left, and then Barry McDonald came in. So, that was kind of my first job, working there, like, eight hours a week, four hours Saturday, four hours Sunday. Funny enough, is with uh, John Shorthouse. I was a production assistant. He was the host. Uh, and that's how I started. So out of BCIT to a very, very part-time job. Sports page, and it kind of grew from there. What a lineup that sports page had, hey? Holy cow. Uh, it was unbelievable. And at that time, too, then, like, uh, Sean McCormick came through and Blake Price and Jay Durant when it morphed it with Global. And, um, you know, one of our main producers was a guy by the name of Randy Stevens, who's now a executive with Fox Sports South because he went with the Grizzlies when they went down there. Chris Hebb, who was a VP with uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, he was a host. So uh, there was just a, a ton of people around there that went on to pretty interesting stuff. Wow. Did you get a chance to go see the Sports Page exhibit at the BC Sports Hall of Fame? I think it was last year's like uh, exhibit that they had up. Yeah, I was there for the, the grand opening because lucky enough they had uh, my picture up in there. I never hosted the show. I did some reporting. Uh, like two or three reports, but mainly I was behind the scenes, and at the end I was uh, producing the show, mainly writing and producing. So uh, I did go get to see it. It was great to see a lot of the old people that were uh, incorporated in the show that made it back to to see that. And uh, it was really a fun exhibit uh, for us because. 
because for five years it was a huge part of my life and to this day I'll say it was the most fun I'd ever had going into work and that's saying a lot because on the road with Shorthouse and Garrett is about as fun as you can get. Yes, and you know, we have to, well, I got to ask you about uh, John Garrett's eating habits, because I was talking to him for an interview I did with him maybe about like seven months ago, and I asked him the question, the million dollar question for John John Garrett was, what would you not put ketchup on? And it completely stumped him, like he had no idea how to answer that question. It took him like, took him a good minute of just pondering. He's like, oh no, I put ketchup on that. And I was like, how about steak? He's like, no, I put ketchup on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And what he settled on was fish. He's like, I would never put ketchup on fish. Well, let me tell you why. Because he would never eat fish. (laughs) Any of this stuff that you wouldn't put ketchup on, he's not eating, you know, vegetables and the like. I think he eats a little bit better at home because he's under the watch for a lot of his life. Uh, But on the road, I'm on the record of saying this many, many times. It's like traveling with my seven-year-old kid in terms of what he eats. And then he drags Shorthouse down to his level. John will eat better stuff, but we tend to just go to the lowest common denominator and go where Cheech wants to go, and then we just have to make do with what's on the menu. Well, I love the videos you put on Twitter of him, like, eating at In-N-Out or whatever the case may be. Those are just awesome, seeing that side of, uh, seeing that side of the broadcast team, for sure. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, that's never me. Uh, it's those two, and since Shorthouse doesn't have a Twitter account or one that's public, he uh, always sends me the pictures, so I post, because rarely, or maybe one out of ten times, I'm not with those guys when they go on those excursions, because I'm usually still at the rink for morning skate. Oh, man. I, I love it. I love it. That's that's just awesome to see. Like, you know, it's it's cool for fans to see, for sure, just the, the other side of the broadcast team, and, like, it's not all, like, suit and ties. It's, like, what happens behind the scenes. And I don't know if you saw this. The Athletic put out a... Um, uh, a rankings of the broadcast teams of all the NHL markets. And in my opinion, ours, ours was way too low for what we have. And the way they ranked, it was actually like from voting. And a lot of people voted down the Sportsnet broadcast because there's too much Toronto coverage. And I was like, well, we should have just done it based on like the play by play and the in-game host. Like that's what it should be. And that, that was like first, um, like they got, you guys got first in that category, but then, Having the Toronto stuff brought everything down, it said, on the on the ranking. So I think Carolina was the one that ranked first. And I think the sports yeah. the Canucks broadcast came in at 11th, which in my opinion is just way too low. Yeah, I mean, you know, those things are so subjective too. And, you know, of course, the, the Toronto stuff is because we send it back to studio at times in the intermission. Uh, we'll have our, you know, when we're home games, we have those panels with whoever sat and Ian whoever, uh, but there's always a segment from Toronto as well, and usually with Carolyn and Cody, and I think Carolyn does a fantastic job, but yeah, that's where they hit on the other stuff around the week, um, and I, you know, I, I will say this, I, I don't know if you saw that when the rankings came in, uh, you know, Kyle Dubas is yes. <laughs> and even Dubas was saying the short house was ranked 11 spots too low, so, you know, we just, I think we try, well, I'll see it this way, short house I think is a very a very down the middle call. I mean, he knows what the audience is, but uh, I don't think there's any bias in his call. We know John; he's a homer. You know that's the way it is. And I think with your analyst, it's always a little bit more like that, especially if you're an entertainer and not uh, someone that's going to analyze the game as much. And for me, I try to, I just try to entertain and have fun with whoever's watching. Because I always think, like, if there's a kid on the other team that scores a goal and his parents are watching, and I'm interviewing him, why wouldn't I be happy for him as well and have a good time? So. Uh, we try to at least entertain. I think that's uh, what we try to do for the most part. And, 
you know, I'm glad that uh, most people, at least especially in our market, like it. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to talk to you about those uh, intermission interviews that you do uh, with the players. So I got to ask you, first of all, who is the best interview and who is the worst interview on the current team? Like, who's the last person you're calling down for an interview? Well, I'd say the best is Stetcher. If you really, like, if there's something that needs to be addressed and you need a good answer that's uh, well thought out, um, I would say Stetcher is number one. I would also put, you know, I think Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle are fairly good in those situations. Um, as for the worst, I, I'm going to go with Edler, and that's no, no fault of his own. He just doesn't like to do them, so he doesn't offer up much. So we kind of have a deal in place that I'll say, Alex, I'm not going to come to you much, maybe once or twice a month, but when I come to you, you better give me something decent and not just shut up. So um, Alex is pretty good that way, but... You know, those things are pretty tough. You've got 90 seconds. You're rarely going to extract anything great. Um, I will say another thing, though. If you want something that you might get off the cuff, Antoine Roussel is only a good pick as well. Yeah, that uh, I remember that Roussel interview you did when um, I think Florida was in town. And uh, Roussel was, uh, I think you asked him about Mike Matheson. And he, yeah. he replies and he was like, oh, it's super frustrating. And then he just kind of went off about Matheson, which was just like every Canucks fan wanted to see that for sure. Yeah, he's good. So sometimes, too, if something goes on in the initial, or sorry, in the period, and at the end of the uh, period, I'll ask PR, okay, I'd like Roussel, and you can see their eyebrows raise a little bit, like, okay, where is this going to go? But they're always good. They get you who you want, as long as you're not looking to embarrass someone. Awesome, I love it. Um, so I also wanted to ask you about uh, your relationship with Kevin Bieksa, because I was listening to the Spit and Chicklets podcast, he was on it recently, and uh, he, he called you his boy, and I was just wondering how that relationship started. Well, I mean, it's kind of not quite the same time. He came a little after I started, but at that time, um, when he came in, I mean, I was single living downtown, and he was living downtown, and um, so, you know, we became, you know, uh, you know, not going to say colleagues, I mean, it was, uh, we, we worked, he was a player, I was a, you know, a broadcaster, but we became friends a little bit more off the ice, and went to dinner and had beers, and, you know, just kind of enjoyed Vancouver uh, uh, when he was just starting out in the city, so, um, and Kevin was always a guy that uh, he just enjoyed hanging out with who he thought was interesting. Like, he, always, he every once in a while on the road, he'd come out with Short House and Cheech and I and have beers with us. And even to this day, he'll meet us uh, in Anaheim when we're down there. So we just, uh, you know, it's kind of we both starting our careers around that time. And, uh, you know, we're together for, what, 10, 11 years? Uh, and just a friendship grew out of it. The first night you and I met was at uh, my Botchford project night. I wanted to ask you, did you have any any sort of relationship with Jason Botchford? Jason and I had, like, a, I'd say a, a good relationship. I think, like most people, uh, I wasn't super close personally with Jason. I mean, we had a really solid working relationship on the road. Uh, I found that our connection was more, if we, our messaging was always if we found something funny or, you know, if there was something hilarious, I would always message him. And then we'd go back and forth. And that would happen maybe once a week. Just things that we found uh, curious or funny. So uh, that was more our relationship. Uh, but we got along just fine. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, like, like a lot of people, I never really got close to him personally. But uh, we had a really good working relationship. And I'd say we were you know, very friendly aside from that. Hmm. So one question I have to ask you. We ask it on basically every guest we have. It's one that I got from uh, Brian Weeb, who does the sports broadcasting class at... Uh, BCIT. He asks every guest, "What's your stepped in it moment?" 
stepped in it? Yeah. Al Murdoch's was pushing the goal horn before a goal actually went in. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, uh, here's one, um, and this wasn't exactly my fault. We did, early on in my career, we did the AAA boys high school basketball final. I was doing play-by-play. Trevor Thompson, who now is a reporter in Fox Sports uh, Detroit, um, he was uh, doing the color analyst. He was working on VTV at the time. And right when we were going on there, literally not a rehearsal, the cable fell out of my microphone. So I had to, while on the air, reach down, pick up the uh, cable, get it back in, uh, try to get it in there on one take to continue going like nothing had happened. So there was that. Um, another time I was doing an interview with uh, Scott Walker, who had just retired or was on the IR because of concussions, and it was his bobblehead night. And we were doing the interview, and I dropped his bobblehead, and the head broke off, which was kind of ironic, <laughs> considering. Um, I don't think I've sworn on the air. I probably have called someone the wrong name uh, in an interview. But, uh, you know, there's, I've been doing it for 20 years now. I've had a lot of stuff in it moments. Um, you know, I, one thing I've always been happy to do is make fun of myself, because you're always going to make mistakes, and... Um, as long as you're able to own up to it and have some fun with it, then I think it's all good. Yeah, that's the thing Faber and I are most worried about is swearing on air. Like, we've we've both been on 1040, like, four times now. Um, so we're getting a little better at it, but, like, on this podcast, the E uh, for the explicit part of the podcast got put on as soon as Jason Botchford came on the show. He uh, That was, yeah. like, episode six, and he, he kept swearing, and Chris was like, okay, this is the day that the podcast gets the E, and now everybody can swear on the podcast. So... Now we're trying not to do that, and I'm having a very tough time, especially on this podcast because it's such a relaxed uh, platform, having a very tough time not swearing. So Chris and I have been doing a lot more editing lately of editing out swear words, which is very tedious and very annoying. So we've been practicing, but yeah, that's definitely what I'm most worried about. I haven't really had a stepped in it moment yet. Um, well, other than blocking the door when Elias Pedersen was trying to walk in on intro media day, I was like scared of everybody. So I was just kind of standing by the doorway and he was like trying to get in and I was totally blocking it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Oh man. That was my moment for sure. I did drop an F-bomb on a radio hit with BMAC and Rintoul way back in the day when I was at the Memorial Cup in Moncton. That was one. And they still play it to this day. Trevor Martin sent it to me the other day. He's the program director at TSN. That's awesome. He sent it to me just for, uh, just for a good memory. So we always get a good chuckle over that one. What was the context of that one? Um, it was uh, an interview with Patrick Waugh, who was coaching the Quebec Ramparts, I believe. And... Uh, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was a line of questioning, and he snapped at someone, what not me. So I said I effing meekly backed away from the table, and then they went silent and giggled, and I said something like, "Did I just drop an f bomb? Uh, I guess I'll talk to you guys in about six weeks." Oh my gosh! Wow, wow, love it. Okay, um, so I don't know if you watched it last night, but there was the uh, replay of the Sedin's final home game. And I know that was like a, you know, probably a highlight of your broadcasting career was being on the ice, talking to them in their final home game. What was that like? Like the whole mood in the arena, what was that like for you? It was great. I mean, I didn't watch it again last night. I've got a seven-year-old, so we kind of find ourselves doing stuff at that time, whether it's puzzles or Lego or whatever. So uh, I didn't watch it again. But that was uh, definitely uh, one of the, you know, one of the more fun and brighter moments of my career, especially considering it came on the heels of three, four years of, pretty much darkness for the franchise in terms of on ice 
success or a lot of entertainment. Um, so, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I started right when those guys did. They were there a year before me. Um, and just joys to be around and work, uh, work with. And uh, being on the ice there for the ovation and just waiting for the interview to start and the teammates just all being there excited uh, was certainly something I won't forget. What's the Murphy household watching while in quarantine on Disney Plus? <laughs> well, so not Disney, we've been trying to watch some movies, kid movies, and so we've watched a ton. And I've got a mailbag coming out. I don't know why it hasn't dropped yet, but I kind of ranked the ones that I've enjoyed the most so far. Um, and I'll say it's I, I like Despicable Me, and these are not my rankings all time. It's just ones we've watched. Uh, Greatest Showman. Uh, we watched Goonies, which I totally forgot about as a kid, like Josh Brolin being in it, I, that blew me away. Um, so we've been doing that, and then when the child goes to bed, uh, my wife's been pushing for Ozark Season 3. I've kind of wanted to watch Jack Ryan on Amazon, So, but the problem is it's 9 o'clock at that point, so we've got an hour to watch, so uh, that's kind of where we're at in terms of our TV viewing. How about Tiger King? Everybody's watching that one. Faber keeps telling me to watch it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, we did watch it. Uh, it is bizarre. It's entertaining. It's sad, uh, but it's it's definitely worth the watch. And I'd say the other one that is as well. Don't f with cats. It's just three episodes, fifty minutes an episode, and where that goes in a hurry, it's uh, unbelievable as a documentary. So I would I would definitely say you know I mean maybe wait on on Tiger King now because everybody's talking about it. So maybe give that a couple months and then delve into it when the kind of the craziness is has gone down because you're going to go into it with, uh, you know, maybe expectations that are too high, but it is, it is a crazy, crazy show. That's for sure. If you're looking for any true, true crime documentaries to watch on Netflix, there's one called evil genius. It's about the, uh, the, the pizza bomber. I don't know if you've heard of that incident. It happened in like 2003, I think. Um, and yeah, it's like, it, that was something else. It was like four, four episodes, all 50 minutes long. And it was it was just unbelievable all the twists and turns that happened. But I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah, I enjoy the documentaries too, and uh, and then the the docudramas, uh, the Unabomber one, I thought was very well done as well. Although it wasn't a it wasn't a documentary. Before we wrap up here, I you know the final thing I guess I'm going to ask you is who is the worst media member to be quarantined with? Like, who would you least want to be quarantined with? Oh, man. I mean, I'm kind of basically quarantined all the time with Short House and Gary on the road, so I'm going to leave them out of it. Um, let me see. Uh, in terms of the media, like Rintoul, like I like to stay fit, but Rintoul's way, way too fit, so he might be too healthy. Um, I'm trying to think. Who would be messy? Who would be the messiest person in the media? Would it be Wyatt? But he's got a dog, so I can't put him in there because I like dogs. His dog's awesome too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to think about that one. Um, uh, but you know what? Maybe just McIntyre because his 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 humor. He tries to be <laughs> funny and he's not, and that would that would get on my nerves. You can tell him that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm going to be asking everybody that comes on the show. Like, we have uh, Justin Morissette's coming on tomorrow with Chris, and then Drancer's coming in on Wednesday, and then Friday we have PJ coming on. Okay, well, I know McIntyre will be upset with me. I really like Ian as a guy, too, so I hope, you know, and he would drink Jameson's and have whiskey and stuff, but, uh, 
Yeah, maybe maybe just his talking would grate on me. Yeah, he was a he was a really nice guy. Definitely a talker though. We because uh, he um he sat next to me on my Botchford project night because Daniel Wagner yeah. didn't show up that night because he was sick or something. And then uh, so yeah, IMAC just sat next to me and then he kind of put two and two together that I'm not a regular face in there. So he introduced himself, asked me about what I'm doing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, he gave me some good advice. Like super nice guy for sure. Yeah, really nice man. There's no question about that. He's been been around a long time. Yeah, he was telling me like he graduated Langara. I think it was in. 1990 uh the Langara journalism program and yeah he was kind of telling me his story which you know hadn't heard much about but yeah anyways thanks for doing this dan really appreciate it uh where can people find you on twitter uh at sportsnet Murph on twitter i'm trying to post as many uh dog pics and dog videos as possible try to keep it light and uh refreshing and just hopefully everybody out there uh keep as good attitude as possible it's weird times it's tough times be nice to your neighbors uh, be nice to your family, call them and contact them, and uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, things will get back to semi-normalness. All right, Murph, thanks for doing this. Okay, Dave, thanks for having me on. And a huge thank you to Dan Murphy from Sportsnet for joining us for this week's episode of Canucks Conversation. As you guys may have heard there, we do have Thomas Drantz coming in on Wednesday. I'll be chatting with him. Justin Morissette's coming on tomorrow chatting with Chris. And then on Friday, I'll be talking to Patrick Johnson of the province. And on Thursday... We're looking for a special guest, and that'll be an interview Chris conducts. We just figure it's easier if we alternate doing them. Uh, We can get more media members in, and just a quick little conversation about what they're doing. Try and keep it away from hockey, because nobody really cares about hockey right now. We're all in the same boat. We're all quarantined at home. So just seeing what everyone's up to, and hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash CanucksConvo for the new written content. Again, a huge thank you to Parallel 49 Brewing for being the presenting sponsor of the podcast, and Zephyr Epic, our other sponsor. I'm David Quadrelli. Thank you for listening to The Canucks Conversation.